So as you guys know, the name of this ministry is called Emmaus. And so tonight I'm going to preach to you about Emmaus. And so uh, why don't we turn to the book of Luke 24. And I'm just going to read through it. It's quite a long passage, but I just want you guys to follow along with me. Okay? Is everybody ready? Okay, I'm going to start. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said, um, oh my gosh. And they said, <laughs> To him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said but him they did not see and he said to them "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken was it not necessary that the christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory and beginning with moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures, and And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Amen. So here in this passage, we see two disciples, Cleopas and another unnamed disciple. And they're walking to a village named Emmaus. Seven miles from Jerusalem. It says it here. Seven miles from Jerusalem, right? And these two disciples just witnessed Jesus Christ getting crucified and being buried. They hear that his tomb was empty, but that, um, but they just left already. They left Jerusalem to go to Emmaus. And during this walk, it says in this passage that they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. They were talking about the death the burial, and the reports of the resurrection of Christ. But while this conversation was to bring joy, hope, and a sense of victory, uh, it actually brought the complete opposite for these disciples. It brought sadness. It brought hopelessness. It made them leave Jerusalem to go back 
to Emmaus because they felt this defeat. The disciples were trying to look for an answer, which they thought was in Christ. They were trying to search for an answer, right? But then Jesus died. And in this passage, it says, while they were walking, while they were walking, Jesus walked alongside them. But in verse 16, it said, Jesus was walking beside them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them. So when I'm reading this passage, I'm like, God, how come their eyes were kept from recognizing you? You could have, think about it. He could have just been like, boom, I'm alive, guys, while they're walking from the start, right? But how come he kept their eyes? He spiritually blinded them from recognizing him. Have you guys ever thought about this? Because for me, I'm like, that makes no sense. If Jesus resurrected, it's so much easier. It would save them time. They wouldn't have to walk for two hours to go to Emmaus. It would have saved them time if Jesus was like, hey, guys, I'm alive. I have resurrected from the dead. Now go back to Jerusalem and let everybody know that I am alive. But how come Jesus did not do this? So the title of my message is this. It's loving delay. (laughs) Loving delay. Follow me. Loving delay. Loving delay. I don't even know if that makes sense, but I like it, okay? How come Jesus waited? How come he walked with them? He's Jesus, but he did not reveal himself to them. In our Christian walks, a lot of times, this we start asking this why. Because there may be times where you're like, why, Jesus, are you taking so long? How come I can't feel you? How come I can't see you? How come... Man, I think I believe in you, but, huh? Like, Jesus, how come I don't feel you the way I felt you when I first met you? Right? These disciples, think about this. They lived life with Jesus. They saw him do the miracles. They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him, right, open the blind eyes. They saw him um, walk on water. They saw him do all these miracle, miraculous things where the supernatural became natural. They saw this, yet when they saw Jesus died, they were walking on this road to Emmaus, and they were hopeless. They were hopeless. Does this make sense? I don't know. For me, I'm just like, I, if I saw all of these things, would, would I not believe? So tonight, I want to give you three reasons to why maybe he didn't reveal himself early on. Okay, The first, he didn't reveal himself immediately because he was exposing the false foundation of their faith. Exposing their false foundation of the disciples' faith. What I mean by this is this. In verses 17 to 24... I'm 
I'm not going to read it again because I read it. But in, the, in these verses, Jesus reveals himself to these disciples. But then these, this, these disciples don't know it's him. And then they, he starts asking them questions, right? He asks, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And then the disciples, they're like, they're really sad. And he's like, are you the only person that doesn't know what's happening? It's like historical, right? He's like, what things? This is Jesus saying this, by the way. What things, right? And it's during this time where the disciples begin to share about Jesus and about the reports of his resurrection. And so in these very few passages, we're able to discern the emotional state that these disciples were in. Like I mentioned, they sounded hopeless. They were in despair. They were walking this road of Emmaus, not like this, but they were like, like so sad. And they're like, why? Why did this happen? Why? And eventually it exposed their unbelief. For them, they saw everything that Jesus did. They saw everything that Jesus did, and they hoped that he would redeem Israel, the nation. And so if you read verses 19 to 21, it says this. When Jesus asked what things, they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things had happened. They were hoping that he would redeem Israel. They were hoping that he would do something for them. Even though they knew Jesus before he died, and they were like, this may be the Messiah, they were hoping that he would redeem Israel. Jesus dying for these disciples was the end of everything. It was the end of all hope. Because death for them meant defeat. So for them, they were defeated. Who they hoped for died. And so even though they heard about his resurrection, it says in verse 11, when um, Mary Magdalene and the women found the tomb empty, right? It says in 11, but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. An idle tale means it's basically a crazy story. It's a crazy story. It makes no sense. For us, when we hear about this, we're like, what? No, we know he, re- he resurrected. We know he's alive. But if you put yourself in that situation, let's say, for example, um, I don't want to make this personal, but for, mm, okay, my, let's say my grandfather. Okay, my grandfather actually recently passed away. But let's say somebody t- came to me, right? And he's somebody, I de- my grandpa, I love him so dearly, right? And then my mom comes and says, your grandpa was raised from the dead. He woke up. 
I'm like, you're crazy, Oma. I'll be like, what are you talking about? Nah, that can never happen. That's not, that's not possible. So for these, uh, these disciples, that's exactly what they thought. But even a, like a grander scale, it's like craziness. Because they saw him getting crucified, nailed. They saw him get stabbed. They saw everything, right? So for him to get resurrected, for them, it's like, nah, it's impossible. It's an idol tale. That's a crazy story. You women are crazy. That's basically what was being said. So here we're able to see that ultimately... They didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, God's son, but someone who will just save them in their present situation. Jesus could have received, revealed himself immediately to the disciples, but he purposefully chose not to because he knew that they were struggling with unbelief and confusion. Their faith was in what Jesus could do for them rather than Jesus. So everything actually ended up being very circumstantial. Everything became circumstantial for them. They were focusing, they were searching, desperately searching for the truth, not realizing that truth himself was walking with them. And when I think about this, I'm like, man, I can relate. I really, humbly, I will admit to you guys that I can relate. As a young child, I've met Jesus. And for me, as I've shared at general information meeting, I've never done anything bad, bad, okay? I've never done anything that was blatantly sin to the world, okay? And so for me, I've also encountered Jesus powerfully personally, where I was like, man, I can never doubt you, God. God, I can never doubt you. But then as time went on, I was like, but why am I so insecure? Why do I feel hopeless in my future? Why do I feel so ugly? Why do I feel like I'm not worth it? Why do I feel like I lack in this and this? I'm not smart enough. Like, mine was very internal, guys. But I know Jesus, and I thought I met him. I did. I cried. I went to my knees. I was like, no, in sixth grade, <laughs> I'll tell you a story. Um, the spiritual realm is real, guys, okay? So this is just a disclaimer. Like, it's real, but don't be scared. God is more powerful, Right? But when I was in sixth grade, this was the first time where I encountered the spiritual realm. Okay? And so what happened was, one of my friends, this is not a very edifying name, but his name was Chunky. That was his nickname, Chunky. Okay? And during our worship, we were worshiping like really hard, and all of a sudden he started bugging out. He started bugging out. And my pastor was like, this is demonic. It's just straight up demonic. And he was bugging out. And here, I see that happening in my heart. The whole time I got on my knees. I'm like, not me, Lord. And I started weeping after him. And I was like, God, you are powerful. I love you. Lord. Don't let that affect me, God. Right? And I saw my friend. But the really cool thing was the next day, 
they prayed and he said Jesus' name and he encountered the Lord. And the next day, my friend Chunky, at, in, at sixth grade, I saw his face and it was like glowing. It was glowing. And I'm like, God, you're so real. I can't doubt you ever because I saw him encounter my friend. And the backstory is my friend did a lot of weird things. He stole a lot, right? And so <laughs> I think it was just being exposed. But what, what I'm trying to say is this. At a young age, I've encountered guy, God. Not guys. God. <laughs> God. <laughs> right? And, but yet, I was still struggling I was still disappointed. I was still doubting God with my future. I was still saying, God, why? At a young age, for you that are believers, God may have given you promises. He may have given you promises about your future, about your marriage possibly, about... um, just your life. He may give, he may give, have given you just these very tangible promises, but it's yet to be fulfilled. But you find yourself starting to doubt God. And you start, find yourself getting disappointed. You find yourself getting discouraged. You find yourself all of a sudden being like, man, I don't want to pray anymore. This Bible, I don't believe in it. But you know God exists. Interesting. That's really interesting. So for me, I was like an example of a very good Christian that knew God, yet I was frustrated with life. I knew God was good, and this Christian life was good, but for some reason I was frustrated. For some, you may have actually totally turned your back away from God. Because you're like, man, everything's a lie. Everything's a lie. Like these disciples, these disciples basically said, everything is a lie. Even though Jesus proved every, like showed them so many things, at the moment of his death, they're like, no, we don't believe any, like they were discouraged. And they're like, it is not true. And for those that don't believe, You wonder because you're surrounded by believers that are constantly questioning their faith. And you may ask yourself, then is God real? Is Jesus truly the Messiah? Did he truly die for us because God loved us? And did he resurrect for us? You may be wondering that. So here in this passage, you can see that their foundation, the foundation of their faith was not Jesus, but it was in what he could do. And likewise for us, it may be in the, like the things that we are holding on to. And then we put Jesus into it. Second, the reason we... Uh, in this passage, he didn't reveal himself immediately, was he wanted to give clarity through the scripture. Clarity through the scripture. So after 
uh, in verse 24, it says, some of those who were with us, they, so they were like, oh, the women's, the women said that he resurrected, but I, I don't think it's true. And then that's when Jesus spoke in 25 and he said, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter in his glory? And it was here in verse 25 to 26 that Jesus reminds them of the truth through scripture. He unfolds the scripture to them. He talks about himself. He took the time to explain to these disciples how the word, uh, how the word explains everything about himself. The beginning with Moses to the prophets to the Psalms, we find that Jesus, who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, he reveals himself through scripture. Jesus gave these disciples proof that he had fulfilled everything that was prophesied over centuries. So in verse 26, we can see that the disciples couldn't fully understand the cross because for them, they saw it in the natural. He died. He died. And they couldn't understand why their Messiah would die such a shameful death. But it's because they didn't holistically know, believe in what was already preached to them, what was already given to them. So here, Jesus reveals that the cross was the creative act of God. The cross of shame and suffering had become the cross of redemption for all who would come to Jesus in repentance and faith. So Jesus didn't reveal himself right away because if that were the case, they would first believe Because they saw. But Jesus wanted them to believe with their hearts and minds first. Before he revealed himself to them. And this is such a great example of our personal Christian lives. Right? Because Jesus is... I mean, we hear stories of how some people actually saw Jesus. And I don't doubt that. I think Jesus could do whatever. He could do whatever he wants. Right? But the majority of us here, your faith is based upon what you cannot see. You hold on to the truth. And so in the, from these disciples, Jesus is setting the tone. He's giving that example first by not revealing himself to them right away. Jesus wanted them to share him through the word, through the Bible, and not through his physical body. It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So will you allow the truth to set you free? Because the truth is Jesus. Here, from the beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus. My mom told me um, in Korean that I need to start from uh, Revelation. She's like, read Revelation first and then go to Genesis because you're going to realize that everything's about Jesus, right? And, you know, I think for many of us here, there's this like, how do I say it? 
like, like I want to read the Bible, but I don't. <laughs> it's such an interesting kind of relationship that we have with this book. It's like, I love you, but, oh, <laughs> it gets difficult, right? But when you realize that Jesus is the truth, and you want to know who Jesus is, man, it transforms. This, you realize this book is living. And actually, the answers that you've been looking for is all here already. But before that, if we, Jesus revealed himself first, we would have done everything by emotions. So many things by experience. Circumstantial things. Because that's why the disciples, they believed at the moment, but right when he died, they're like, we can't, I don't know if we could believe anymore. So Jesus is inviting us to experience the fullness of who he is and not what he can do for you. So when he intrudes into our lives, dissecting our thoughts, sometimes the things that he may reveal may make you feel quite uncomfortable. For the disciples, they realized that they were sad and had lost all hope because they were struggling with unbelief. The scripture, as you read it, and you make it directly speak to you, it may start exposing insecurities, exposing hurt, exposing bitterness and unforgiveness. It may begin exposing all of these things, not to make you feel like a terrible person, but because we know that Jesus has already died for us and that he wants to set us free. As I was preaching, I'm not preaching, as I was preparing this message, man, I got, I got very convicted. Because in these past seasons, I was like, God, why am I so frustrated? I want to pray. I want to read your word. I want to know you more. I was so frustrated with myself. But then what God revealed was he's like, you're not pursuing me. You're actually just pursuing the act of holiness. Because you know this is the Christian thing to do. Because you know you're the campus director of a college ministry that you have to read the Bible or else you will have nothing else to say. (laughs) But when you pursue after Jesus, this word becomes exciting. And I can't say that I've mastered prayer. I really can't say that. I'm lying then. But there's been a a drive for me to long after the things of God's heart. And wanting to read the word because Jesus, I need to know you more. Simply that. So the third point is this. Jesus didn't reveal himself immediately because he wanted us to have genuine faith through relationship. Through relationship. Follow me. Genuine faith through relationship. Genuine faith through relationship. So it's after the scriptures are revealed to them that they're given a choice to invite him into their home. They're given a choice. God doesn't want to just intrude into your life. Because the reality is this. If Jesus came before you, right, in, in, in person form, then he's not, you don't have the freedom to actually have a relationship with him. If he came before you and said, I'm God, then you're just slaves, 
following the right thing, like following him because you know he's God. But Jesus doesn't work that way. He gives you a choice to invite him. And here in this passage, what happens is before he reveals himself, he gives the disciples a choice. And in verse 28, it says that he acted as if he were going further. So now they entered Emmaus and they're going to, you know, rest there. And Jesus was like, all right, I'm going, I'm going, you know, waiting for them to, to say, no, God, we want you. Okay. And the disciples acted immediately because they knew something was different as they were talking to this stranger. Remember, they still don't know that this is Jesus. They were talking to this stranger and the disciples urged him strongly to stay with them. They were like, please don't leave. Just stay with us. And the disciples' hearts were hungry for more. Not because Jesus was alive before them, but because the truth began to come alive in them. So upon their invitation, Jesus stayed with them. And in verse 30, it says, Then their eyes were open, and as he took the bread and blessed and broke it, it's then that they recognized him. It was this simple, familiar act that the disciples recognized Jesus. They've seen this before in the Last Supper. Jesus broke the bed, bread. And it was this familiar act where they're like, this is Jesus. And boom, he vanishes. But boom right? He vanishes. If Jesus revealed himself to them early on and didn't give them a choice, their faith would have been based upon, um, it wouldn't have been based upon truth. If they chose to make their faith based upon what they saw rather than believing the truth, they would have, they wouldn't have met the resurrected Jesus. It's with their encounter with Jesus, their world came together again. So for us, it's that very simple question. Is my faith before the Lord genuine? Is it genuine? Because there's times where I'm like, wow, I guess it was not. And for those serving in ministry or who have gone to church for the longest time, I'm going to make you guys feel a little vulnerable because I was one of them. A lot of times we feel like we're pretty good Christians because we do so much. But when we go to the yogi, we're like, Jesus, I, I really didn't know you as much as I thought I did. Jesus desires a personal relationship with you. He doesn't want to just barge into your life. You know, for those that were born into a Christian family and your parents forced you to go to church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you were forced to go to church. You know, I wasn't necessarily forced, but I was born into the church basically. And I went to church my entire life. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, it's a grace. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that I wasn't exposed to so many things that really could have messed with me. But for those that 
didn't want to go to church and you were forced, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you weren't given the free will to personally encounter Jesus. Because really, Jesus, he wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to just force yourself to meet him and force yourself to go to church, and force yourself to read the Bible, and force yourself to go to every single Bible study, and every retreat, and every uh, prayer meeting, and every single thing. Like He doesn't want to force you to do that. He's saying, I want you to meet me through it. It's an, ex- it's an opportunity for you to experience me, to know about me. So for us, for those that don't know the Lord, this is a opportunity for you to actually encounter Jesus because he is a gentleman and he desires to meet you and for those that do know the Lord he wants you to give him more room and invite him into your life fully so as these disciples saw Jesus. That is when their hearts burned from within. It wasn't circumstantial. It wasn't experiential. It was from within. It was a faith that was rooted in Jesus. They realized who he was and couldn't contain what was revealed to them in that place of intimacy that they had to spread to others. They were not forced to spread to others. They weren't forced to evangelize to others. But from within, they had to. They wanted to. Because Jesus is, a, was a, is alive. Jesus is alive. That's so, ah, for them, it was like, what? And they just had to run to Jerusalem the same night. So this heartburning experience is something that I desire for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us to encounter the love of Jesus Christ. And it's through allowing him to speak to us, through allowing him to, uh, and allowing the truth of the scripture to transform us. The eyes of the disciples were open to Jesus later so that their faith would be purely in Jesus and nothing else. Nothing else. And so Emmaus. Emmaus. Is this what we desire? As the crew that serve this ministry our heart is for god to reveal where your faith lies and and as it's you know maybe your foundation what you may have placed your faith in may be exposed for you to receive clarity through the scripture and for you to pursue after the lord with genuine unshakable faith as you encounter the living christ Our heart is for you to pursue after Jesus, not for what he has done or what he hasn't done for you. Because let's be real, that's, that can just be any other religion. But for who he is and what he has already accomplished through the cross. This generation, we seek vision. We seek this future. We want to be happy, joyful, at peace. 
Those, those are desires of our heart. And so we find means to attain that, but in the end get quite disappointed. And I'm going to confidently share with you this. It is through Jesus that those will be attained. It's not the opposite way. You don't try to attain this by doing something and by trying to know about Jesus. Jesus already wants to encounter you. You don't have to work for his love. And, you know, I think to close, this semester, I've already shared with you guys, it's such a special semester. It's a very special semester for me. And every single semester, as I meet students, semester in and semester out, there's definitely a different flow. I'm not going to say, wow, every semester was flowery and fiery and everything, right? But for this semester and this season in particular, what God's been speaking to us, to the crew, is that he wants us to walk in greater holiness and purity before him. Blameless before him, right? People that are lovers of Jesus Christ. And for you guys, I'm like... Man, at the end of the semester, my heart is that you guys are on fire for Jesus. Not working your way to go to every familia or large group or making retreat. Not those kind of things, but this longing for Jesus that will naturally overflow in you serving. And this semester, what I desire, my heart is that you guys, if you look around... This is not my ministry. It's not the cruise, but it's yours. And really, it's what we make of it. Because when I see you, I don't just see you as students that sit in front of me and listen to the word. I see you guys ministering to each other. I see you guys speaking life into each other. I see you guys challenging one another to pursue after Jesus more. I see you guys starting prayer movements. I see you guys like preaching to each other as well. I see you guys stepping into your identity and flourishing, knowing who you are in him. That is what I see. And as you guys, I want you to look at each other. Look at each other. As awkward as it may be, we're so bad at eye contact. Even though we focus on it at school and eye contact is so important, we get really shy. Give each other eye contact, and I want you to say, I believe for you. <laughs> and then, secondly, I'm say, I'm committed to, how do I say this? Loving you like Christ, but also I'm committed to, actually, don't follow me. <laughs> okay, but basically, that's what I mean. You're committing, we're committing one another, committing to one another to pursue after Christ. Simply that. That is the semester that we're entering. And so, get excited. I am so excited. (laughs) It's like, really excited. Okay? My personality, up here it seems like I'm like, ah, you know? But really I'm not. (laughs) But I, I am excited. And I hope you guys really, mm, yeah, meet Jesus through this semester.